I want to take as my text this morning the first three verses of that reading from St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1174. Page 1174. And I'd like us to look at that again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and beginning at verse 16, in which the apostle, closing out his letter, says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This morning I want to talk about three good things that God wills for you. Three good things that God wills for you, or to put it in a slightly different way, three good things that God wants for you. And indeed, God does want for you and for me, and what God wants for us as believers in His Son, Jesus Christ, is good. Which reminds me of that famous verse, God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, in which we read, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. And so this morning I want us to consider the three good things as they appear in our text that God wants for you and for me. And the first thing that God wants for us is joy. Joy. And not just joy, notice, but joy always. <laughs> Indeed, notice again, verse 16. Rejoice what? Always. Or as we have it in the New Living Translation, always be joyful. Or in Peterson's The Message, be cheerful no matter what. And that's what Paul is saying. You remember Paul, you know, they... His ministry in Philippi, Acts chapter 16, and uh, they were arrested and they were beaten. In fact, the law was broken. He was a Roman uh, so, a citizen, uh, and he was beaten, which was against the law, and then he was thrown into prison. They put him down in the dungeon. They put his feet in the stocks. All this injustice, all this pain, and then he said to Silas, his companion, let's sing hymns to God. <laughs> Be cheerful no matter what, Paul says. And both of the, both the New Living Translation and Peterson's The Message are accurate translations of the Greek in which the continuous nature of joy is emphatic. Indeed, the, the verb uh, rejoice is in the present tense, which indicates it's meant to be ongoing action. Continuous action. And then it's in the imperative. It's a command. And the verb uh, for clarity, we might, uh, might, we might translate it, be rejoicing. But if that weren't enough, because that itself, 
communicates ongoing action, then he adds the word always. And, and interestingly enough, he, he doesn't add the word always at the end of this short sentence. He adds, it, he, he adds it at the beginning. It's not the last word in the sentence. It's the first word, which is the way in which the Greeks emphasize something. In fact, the most important word in this sentence is the word always. And so, it puts, so it's put first. We have rejoice always. In the Greek it says always rejoice. And so Paul, and so the, the, the joy that Paul is talking about is, is not meant to be an occasional experience, you know, like when you're happy, like when everything's just the way you want it, but rather a continuous ongoing experience of joy, as Peterson puts it, no matter what. And this kind of joy is actually possible for a believer because the joy that God gives isn't rooted in circumstance, it's rooted in himself. And in God's presence, as the psalmist says, in God's presence is fullness of joy. In his right hand are pleasures forevermore. God is happy. <laughs> Christine Kane and her very interesting and comforting and challenging book called Undaunted. She wrote this. She said, joy and happiness are not the same thing. Happiness is based on circumstance. Joy is rooted in God. Indeed, the joy that Paul is talking about here is part of the fruit of the Spirit. You're familiar with this, right? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Do you remember the first one? What's the first one? The fruit of the Spirit is love. What's the next one? Yes! Number two, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and rejoice! And you will if the Spirit of God is filling you. Well, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Surrender to His influence and His power. Take me, Lord. And when you give yourself over to God, that's what he puts in you. He puts in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the second is joy. There's no such thing as a person who walks with God who has no joy. If in his presence is fullness of joy and in his right hand are pleasures forevermore, the person who walks close to God can't contain himself which is something that Brother Andrew said in the 17th century. I won't quote him, but he said it. He said, I, I, I go through life and these difficulties and whatever, and yet I'm so filled with joy I can hardly contain myself, he said. In his famous book, Practicing the Presence of God. David Taylor, who used to be a member here in his great book, and he's written now several books, a professor at Fuller, uh, in his book, Open and Unafraid, the Psalms as a Guide for Life, wrote, and I've quoted him many times, to be full of God is to be full of joy. Why? Because God is joy. And interestingly enough, joy is a key characteristic of the kingdom of God. In fact, I, I, this was sort of a, a bit of a new discovery for me. 
In Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul wrote, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and what did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God. And what will happen to you when you're doing that? You will be overwhelmed with joy. A joy that can't be taken away. A joy that has nothing directly to do with circumstance, but a joy that is rooted in God, and God does not change. In fact, when you get to the place where the things that matter to you most are things that are given to you by God, that can't be touched or tarnished or ruined by anyone or any circumstance, then you will know true freedom, which is why this is such a benefit. And so the first thing that God wants, us, wants for us is joy. The second thing that God wants for us is prayer. Oh, oh, oh that, isn't that what we pay you to do? You don't have to pay me to do it. I'd do it if you didn't pay me. In fact, I was doing it a lot before anybody paid me to do anything. I do it because I love it. More, more than breath I, itself, I think. But that's what God wants for us. He wants prayer. And not just prayer, but notice, prayer without ceasing. Indeed, notice again, verses 16 and 17. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. And notice the punctuation. It's not periods. Notice the punctuation. It's not periods, it's commas. And that's, that's good, then that's right, because it's that last phrase in the second half of verse 18 that applies to all of these imperative statements. That all of these things are God's will for you. Joy, prayer, thanksgiving. And so we have commas in the English Standard Version, the New International Version, the New American Standard Bible, the Revised Version, the New Revised Version, the, the, the New English Translation, the New English Bible, it's commas. Because all three of these things, joy, prayer, and thanksgiving, are God's will for us, what God wants for us. But we're now we're, we're talking about prayer. In the second century, Clement of Alexandria, a theologian, described prayer as keeping company with God. That's great. It's, don't, don't make it more than what... Listen, when I'm talking to you, I could use the word prayer. Prayer just means conversation. Having a conversation with God. When I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. Or prayers, different prayers, some have been written down. I mean, the, that one prayer... Uh, and unto all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. That was written in the 5th century. We've been praying that for 1,500 years. You know why? It's a good prayer. <laughs> That's a good prayer. St. John of Chrysostom wrote that prayer, and we've been praying it in the Western Church. And, of course, he was an Eastern Christian, so in the Eastern Church they do it too. And we pray to God, sometimes formally, you know, we, have a, we had a wedding here in the summertime. Oh, well, it was very formal. Uh, do you take this man? And they talked to each other. It was very formal. But after the wedding, they didn't keep on talking like that. Well, I bid thee, would thou please go turn down the bed and bringeth, bringeth a, a glass of champagne forthwith. Um, right? 
So we communicate with each other in different ways. We communicate with God in different ways. Prayer is just talking to God, to be quite frank. And as the text says, our calling as believers is to do this without ceasing. And then the, this is where people balk. You know. Well, if I'm, uh, if I'm praying all the time, I won't be able to get anything else done. Or somebody will say, well, if I'm praying all the time, I'll drive my car into a ditch. And my usual response to this is, well, you talk to yourself all the time. Right? I mean, self-talk. You know, you may, not, you may not realize, but the person you talk to most is you. You're talking to yourself all the time. Well, look at that guy. Look at the way he drives. Well, who are you talking to? Well, you're talking to you. Right? And you rehearse what you said and what was said to you and how that was wrong. All right. And then what you're going to do and what you're going to say and what you're going to buy and what you're going to get for them this time of year. On and on you talk about it and you talk and you talk and for some reason you still are able to get all kinds of things done and most of us, our car isn't in the ditch. And so why not bring God into the conversation? That's what prayer is. You know, I mean, if you're having a hard time with this, you can start with something easy, like say, God, did you see what that guy just did? Look at the left right in front of me. I mean, he didn't have the light. That's a good start. If you're not used to that at all, but we rehearse the present, we rehearse, we rehearse the past, we rehearse the future, so why not do it with God? Maybe there's something that you rehearse in the past that you wish you had never done in the past. Why don't you rehearse that with God? That was embarrassing, Lord. I'm ashamed, and it still haunts me, Lord. Don't let it haunt me anymore. You said if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive, forgive me my sin and to cleanse me from all righteousness. Lord, I want, I want to just leave that with you. You don't have to wait till Sunday to come to church to do that. Do it at the H-E-B. You know what I do at the H-E-B? I'm waiting in line. Well, I'm not just going to waste time. Well, I pray the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You might walk through and say, oh my God, what's happening to the pastor, the rector? He's, a, he's mumbling. I, I saw him mumbling at H-E-B. Somebody who knows me says, nah, he's just praying. Yeah, all the time. This is what this means. Pray without ceasing. Why not do it with God? Rehearse your life with God. And then, but then to mix it up a little bit, you know. Uh, don't, don't turn the whole thing into a psychiatric experience. Mix it up a little. In fact, uh, the acrostic that I often use if my, in my private prayers are kind of getting a little, I don't know, myopic. Use the acrostic, ACTS, A-C-T-S. You're driving to work. Turn the radio off. It's going to be the same news three times tonight. Just, right? So turn that off and do ACTS, A-C-T-S. 
A is for adoration, adore. Lord, you are so wonderful. How can I count the ways you are wise and gracious and merciful? As I think of the heavens and the galaxies and the universe and all that's in it and that you know all the stars by name, God, who is like you? Adoration. T is for, or C is for confession. Confess your sins. God, night, don't carry them around like so many boxes and bags and luggage. Dragging them, you know, from one place to the What's the matter? I have my sins, you know, I take them with me everywhere. Let it go. In fact, the word, the word forgiveness in the Greek means release. Release it to him. And to confess, monologeo, which I think we talked about a week or so ago, means to say the same thing. Tell him what he knows it is. Tell him. I agree, Lord, it was wrong, it's wrong, 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 and after I get through confessing to you, I'm going to go and apologize to the person that I committed this sin against, and I'm not going to ask them forgiveness, that's up to them, I'm simply going to acknowledge to them, I did what I did and it was wrong, and I want you to know that I know. T, A-C-T, T is for Thanksgiving. I think it was Tecumseh, the, the great uh, Shawnee chief, who said, if you can't think of anything to be thankful for, the problem lies with you. <laughs> Thank him. I've, I'm dri driving this old car, it's 20 years old. It's got a lot of limitations, so I, but I thank him for it. And you know what I say? Lord, thank you for reliable transportation. <laughs> Thank you for the clothes that I have, the food. When was the last time you missed a meal because you didn't have food? We were just at the Lord of the Streets. We must have, several of you, we must have fed, I don't know, 150 people that live on the street. Oh, that's another one. Have you got a house? Or do you spend all your time complaining about the property taxes? Maybe they are too high. Do what you can to lower them. But in the meantime, thank God that you have shelter. I mean, you can just go on and on. Or you, your spouse. Well, is your spouse imperfect too like I am? Or like mine is? You can focus on the flaws all you want. Why don't you set the flaw list on over here and make another list of all the blessings and benefits that come from being married and then say thank you Lord because he doesn't have to be here or she doesn't have to be here but you brought us together and we're one in you amen I mean can you think of something to be thankful for listen this is prayer continually as a lifestyle again as a lifestyle you talk to yourself Turn it into something slightly different. Bring God in on the conversation. You think you can manage that habit? Of course you can. Anyone can. Supplication is the last one. A-C-T-S. Supplication means to supply. Lord, supply what I need and supply what my friends need and supply what my mother and people are sick and people are in need and, and Bob needs a job and all of these. Lord, supply, supply like only you can. We're going to do all that we can, but Lord, we pray that, you'd, that, you, would, uh, that you would favor us and bless. And he does. 
John Stott wrote something interesting in his book, Problems of Christian Leadership. He wrote this. He said, the devil knows that prayer is the major secret of victorious Christian living, which is why he is determined to stop us praying. Listen to that again. The devil knows that prayer is the major secret of victorious Christian living, which is why he is determined to stop us praying. Don't let him have the upper hand, even while you don't even know what he's doing. There's an old saying in boxing, right? It's, 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 not, it's not the shot you saw, it's the shot you didn't. That ends the match. And he's trying to take you down. And so Paul says in verse 17. Play, pray without ceasing. Or as a new living translation. Never stop praying. Or as Peterson has it in, in the message. Pray all the time. <laughs> pray all the time. Pray on your way to the car. Pray when you get in the car. Pray as you're driving to the car. Pray as you get out of the car. Pray at the house. Are there, oh, by the way, are there chores you don't like? You know what? Turn it into a prayer meeting. And then there's a thing too in Colossians. Paul, Paul says, uh, uh, do everything as, you, as unto the Lord, as a service for him. Lord, I'm washing these dishes for you. How do you like it? <laughs> Man, and by the way, I want to... Pray for Betty because she's doing this thing and there's a rinse thing and the thing, right? I do that a lot in the yard. I do not like yard work. So I pray. And so that's the second thing, prayer. Finally, what God wants for us is thanksgiving. And not just thanksgiving, but thanksgiving regardless of the circumstances. Notice again, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Are in the New Living Translation. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Or Peterson again in the message. Thank God no matter what happens, for this is the way God wants you who belong to Christ to live. <laughs> I have a, a friend who several years back, really was uh, going through it. And uh, he thought he knew exactly what God needed to do in order to make things uh, right in his life. Uh, but the problem persisted. And so uh, he, he found it impossible to thank God in the, in the midst of his pain. And, and then as a result, he, he fell away from God in a major way, feeling that God had abandoned him because he, God was allowing this to happen and he wasn't solving it in the way that he thought it should be solved. Eventually he came back to God. I mean, eventually, I mean some years later, as God began reordering his life and blessing him in various different ways, but not in the ways that he thought God should have. Through it all, we, we, we remained friends and we'd meet together while he was going through all of this from time to time, usually over a meal. 
recently he texted me and he said, hey, you know, we need to get together. And so we went out to lunch. In the course of the meal, he shared with me how grateful he is that God didn't answer his prayer the way he thought God should answer it. Indeed, early on, he, he thought that he, he, couldn't, uh, he couldn't live without the thing that he was losing. But now he realizes that being free from the thing that he lost is a huge blessing. And over the table, he said, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> I love what the Christian hip-hop artist Toby Mack says, and He's a man who's been through plenty of pain. He said, God's still writing your story. Quit trying to steal the pen. So much to be thankful for. And what Paul is saying is, thank him even now. Don't wait six years later. When it all becomes clear to you. And then you say, well, thank you, Lord. Thank him now as the story begins in the darkness and in the pain and say to him like Job said to God, though you slay me, yet will I trust in you. Lord, I am hurting. I don't know what to do next. But you are my God. You are my shepherd. I shall not want you will lead me through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Evil's all around. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what you're doing, but I thank you. I thank you. God's still writing your story. Quit trying to steal the pen. And the Apostle Paul would add and give thanks. Giving thanks in all circumstances doesn't make you weaker. It makes you stronger. Praying without ceasing doesn't make you weaker. It makes you stronger. Rejoicing always doesn't make you weaker. It makes you stronger. And God isn't trying to wreck your life. He's trying to build you up. One of the things he's most interested in is your character, and sometimes it gets a little rough while he's knocking off the hard edges, the rough edges. And so you have to trust him and do what he says, and then you'll experience victory in him. Amen? Amen. Three things, God wills for you. What a good God you are, Lord. <laughs> and sometimes the, the, I think of my friend, oh, what, what a takeaway from both his failure and then being enlightened and seeing that while, you, while he knew he was in the valley of the shadow of death, but he couldn't perceive your presence, but you were there and you were taking him and you have now brought him to a place that he could have never gone by himself and now he sees things in a way he never could have seen them before but you had to take him that way just like you have to take me and take us 
You know best, Lord. Never was there a more loving father or a wise coach. Never a more brilliant teacher or guide or mentor. And so, Lord, help us just to obey. We do it at the gym. <laughs> Why not do it with you? And so help us to do it, Lord, to trust you no matter the circumstances, to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.